If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul writes and says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. The title of my message today is Legacy. Legacy. The Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary defines legacy as something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor from the past. And if you'll forgive a few personal references today as has been referred to, we laid my precious mom to rest on Friday. And I want to thank uh, you for your uh, condolences and your prayers and uh, your cards and just uh, reaching out to us and, and your expressions of love. They, I, I, I can't express what they mean to me and my family, so thank you. Uh, we're just so blessed to be a part of this precious church family. But as we were sharing, my brothers and I and others uh, were sharing about my mom's legacy. I'm thankful she was a woman of God who passed on a godly heritage I got to thinking about my own legacy. And you know, the fact of the matter is, and we don't always think about this because we're busy people, aren't we? But each of us leaves a legacy. Intentionally or otherwise. And I want you to catch this. The way we live our lives, we, each and every day, is how we create our legacy. We are moment by moment, day by day, decision by decision, action by action, word by word, we are creating a legacy that we will one day leave behind. I don't know about for you, but for me, that's a sobering thought. Because it's so easy to be caught up in the moment, isn't it? It's so easy to be led around by our feelings and by our desires and by our preferences and to uh, just uh, be centered on me, myself, and I and what feels good and what I think and what I want and what I prefer and to just be caught up in the moment. But I believe God would have us, as the Apostle Paul did, to consider what legacy we are creating right now. And so 
that's what I want to focus on today. And what I want to do is just present to us some questions to ask yourself when you consider what your legacy will be. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just have to ask myself some questions. You ever just need to sit down and have a good chat with yourself? I recommend it. Some people may think you're crazy, but that's okay. A lot of, can I give you a little clue? A lot of people think that already. Don't worry about it. Sit down and have a little chat with yourself. And here are some questions to consider based on this passage when we uh, think about what our legacy will be. The first question is this. How do you regard your life? How do you regard your life? What is your life? What, what is it to you? How do you regard your life? Paul said in verse 6, I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. Paul writes from prison, and he anticipates that the end of his life is near. And so he says, I am being poured out like a drink offering. What's he talking about? Well, the drink offering was one of the Jewish rituals that was an offering presented on the occasion with other sacrifices. And in the drink offering... An amount of wine was poured out upon the animal sacrifice. None of the wine was to be drunk by the offerer. It was all poured out. Now wine symbolized joy. So the drink offering speaks of the joy of God upon completion of the sacrificial offering. The Apostle Paul referred to his life here and also in Philippians chapter 2 verses 17 through 18, as a drink offering, a gift to God to be poured out for him. Now notice I said it during the presentation of the drink offering, it wasn't drunk at all, it was completely poured out. I don't know about you, but when I have a pitcher of tea or some beverage or some you know, bottle of soda or whatever it is, and I'm pouring it into my glass, and it's sa I'm sadly reaching the end of the contents of that container. I don't know about you, but I pour every drop out I can get. You know? I paid for it, I might as well. You know? So, get every drop out. And that's the idea that Paul is talking about here. I believe what Paul was saying is, he says, I'm not holding anything in reserve. I'm not holding any of my effort, any of my, uh, my uh, compassion, my love, my uh, ability to serve. I'm not holding anything back. Paul said, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. Every single drop. Because as my wife uh, referenced a few minutes ago, when we leave this life, we take absolutely nothing of this life with us. Job said it best, naked came I from my mother's womb and naked will I return. That sums it up, doesn't it? We forget that. And we spend so much of our time in this life trying to amass material goods. And I know we, we need a certain amount of material goods and finances to live in this life. And the Heavenly Father knows that. That's why he said he will always provide for us what we need. 
But sometimes we get our focus skewed. Uh, we get it upon uh, having nice possessions. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. The problem is when possessions have us. When they have a hold on us. And, and we pour our energies into accumulating things that will one day turn to dust. Paul said, I don't want to live that way. I want to focus my energies, my time, my resources, my financial resources and other resources. I want to focus on being poured out. So that when I stand before Almighty God... I don't have to answer the question, why did you hold back? Why did you give me 50%? Why did you give me 75%? Why did you only give me 99%? I want to stand before my God and say, Father, to the best of my ability, I gave you 100%. I, I, my life is a drink offering. My life is being poured out. And... As we sang this morning, if we regard our life as not our own, if we remember that we've been bought with a price, that we belong to another, then no price is too great to pay. No effort is too, uh, too difficult uh, to give. No burden is too large to bear to build the kingdom of God and to please our heavenly Father. We just want to say, Lord, I'm your servant. Lord, I'm your drink offering. Pour me out. Use every ounce of me, every drop of me, because I regard my life as an offering to you. That's what I want my legacy to be. That my life wasn't about me. That it was about him. The ultimate legacy comes through a recognition that our life is not our own. It's days not something to be hoarded or used for our own purposes. But it's an offering to our creator to be used up, to be spent for his purposes. There was a, a, an old gospel song a, a gospel group used to sing, and the title of it was Spend Me. Spend me, O oh Lord, use me. Whatever metaphor you want to use, pour it out like a, a, a drink offering, being spent. If, if we regard our lives as, as you know, uh, an accumulation of finances, we say, Lord, Spend me, spend my life, spend every cent of my life in your service. You talk about a legacy. You talk about something to leave behind. Lord, help me to regard my life as nothing less and nothing more than a drink offering to be poured out every ounce, every drop poured out for you. I believe that's what God is looking for, amen? What's the second question to consider as we think about our legacy? It's this, how will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? Paul delineates here three ways he wants his, uh, his life to be remembered. First of all, he says, I want to be remembered as a fighter. He says, I have fought the good fight. What's he talking about? Well, 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28, Paul says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been continuously on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone often without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the day pressure of my concern for all the churches. Boy, talk about fighting the fight. How many of us would have said, Lord, I'm done. And, and can I be perfectly transparent as your pastor? Because I'm only human. And this may or may not shock you. I've had times when I've said, Lord, I'm done. You ever say that? Is that, you're not heading for the exit, so I guess I'm okay. Because we feel that way, don't we? Who knows, maybe Paul said that to himself. But you know, he never quit. He continued to fight the fight. He said, no cross is too heavy to bear. No, no, no trial is, is too difficult to endure. He said, I'm going to keep on fighting. He wanted to be remembered as a fighter. Secondly, he wanted to be remembered as a finisher. He said, I have finished the race. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, he said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Boy, there's, there's very little more tragic than something that's left unfinished. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you ever start a project and you start something you're going to do and man, you're excited and you just, man, I'm, you're going great guns. And what happens? <laughs> Life happens. <laughs> you run out of steam, you know? And that great project that was so important that you were so excited about just kind of was left unfinished. I know some of you wives are turning to husbands and saying, yeah, I can think of a few projects unfinished, right? Forgive the stereotyping. Um, but Paul said, I've begun this race. I'm going to finish it. By the grace of God. And you know, it's human nature. Some of us, we, we, we give our lives to the Lord and we're enthusiastic about serving Him. We want to win the world for Christ. You, you remember that feeling? And man, we're just, we're just going great guns. But what happens? Life, life's struggles rise up and life gets difficult. And, and, and man, we just lose steam. And you know, we, we forget to rely on the Lord and re renew ourselves in his word and his presence and his spirit. And so we just kind of, we, we, we just kind of get to, you know, going on automatic pilot. And God doesn't want us to live that way. God wants us to be finishers. And I know, you know, some of us are closer uh, to the finish line than, than, than others of you. You know, some of you are, of course, nobody knows, but uh, what will happen, but, but uh, chances are some of you are a lot further from the finish line than, than some of us, but 
You know, we're, we're all going to reach the finish line one day. We're, we're all going to reach the end one day. And I want to be a finisher. How about you? Paul said, I want to finish. I want to complete the race he's called me to. Paul also thirdly wanted to re be remembered as a faithful steward. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. In 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 2, he says, So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Also, 1 Corinthians 9, 16 and 17, When I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach Woe, if me, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. Paul made it very clear that his ministry was a sacred trust. That God called him and entrusted to him the responsibility of ministering the gospel and primarily to the Gentiles those who are outside uh, of the historic household of faith. And he considered it a, a sacred trust. You know, it's, it's, it's quite a responsibility when you are a steward of something that does not belong to you. As a matter of fact, that's what a steward is, right? You're entrusted with something that is not yours. I mean, if you babysit someone's children, you are entrusted for that period of time with their most precious thing on earth and it's it's a it's a pretty heavy responsibility paul said he wanted to be remembered as a faithful steward one who fulfilled well the responsibilities of that which was entrusted to him so how would he want to be remembered as a fighter no matter what the challenge as a finisher who wouldn't give up and as a faithful steward of that which was entrusted to him I remember a number of years ago, uh, we were at a, a funeral for a minister who had passed. And one of the speakers in that service was, at that time, the, the di district superintendent, the one who is over all of the, uh, the churches, you know, the, the, the head guy for all the, the churches in, in the district of, of our movement, the Assemblies of God. And... Uh, he was one of the speakers, and he said of the pastor who had passed, he said, I have three things I want you to know about our departed brother. He said, first of all, I checked the records, and he paid his tithe. Now, uh, in, our, in the Assemblies of God, part of our requirement is that part of our tithe uh, as individual pastors goes to help the expenses of, of the district and movement. And we all succumb to that. Uh, I give what's required to the district. The rest of mine goes to Harvest Church, you know. But uh, so, so a portion goes to, to the, the, the district for the expenses. And first thing this superintendent said about this departed pastor was, I checked the records. He paid his tithe. He said, the second thing I want you to know was he kept the church building clean. And the third thing he said was, and I want to tell you this, I really appreciate it about this pastor. He always started the service on time. And I was a young man at that time, a young minister. But I remember thinking then what I think now. And it was this, dear God, 
I pray that when I'm lying in a casket and someone else, whether it's a district official or someone else, is talking about my life, I pray to God that they can say more than that I paid my tithe, that I kept the building clean and started the service on time. I pray that they can say I was a man of God who preached the word of God without compromise. I pray that they can say that I was someone who loved people and had compassion. I pray that they can say that I uh, was uh, someone who fulfilled the responsibilities of my office. I pray that they could say I was a fighter, that I didn't give up, that I was a finisher, uh, that I was a faithful steward of that which was entrusted to me. Now, you know, at my mom's service on Friday, we, we shared memories. My two brothers and I, they're also ministers, and we shared memories of mom growing up. And just as at every service, we had some, we had some fun moments, some light moments, and we shared about what a wonderful mom we had, and, and um, there were some great memories. And, you know, that's as it should be, you know. Um, but I am thankful that in addition to the stories of how she took care of us growing up and the different... Uh, you know, idiosyncrasies she had that we were also able to truthfully say that she was a godly mom who passed on a godly heritage, a woman who prayed for her sons, who was always there for us, who loved God and loved the things of God and raised us to fear and to honor Almighty God. I'm so grateful that that was her legacy above all else. So it behooves each of us to consider, remember, our legacy isn't something that just appears when we pass. A legacy is something we're creating day by day. It behooves us to ask ourselves, how will I be remembered? Will I be remembered as a nice guy, a nice woman? Will I be remembered as friendly, as having a great sense of humor? Nothing wrong with any of those things. Those are all wonderful attributes. But in addition to things like that, Will I be remembered as a man or a woman of God? Will I be remembered as a man or a woman who influenced others toward the kingdom of God? Paul said, consider how you will be remembered. Thirdly, and finally, the, the third question to ask ourselves is this, how will you be rewarded? Verse 8, Paul says, There is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul says a crown of righteousness has been laid up or laid aside for him and will be given to him by Christ Jesus, the righteous judge. He also says it will be for all who love his appearing. There are two Greek words translated crown in the New Testament. One is diadem, it's a kingly crown. That's not the word Paul uses here. Paul uses in the original Greek the Greek word stephanos, which is a crown given to uh, a winner of athletic contests. They didn't get gold and, and silver and bronze medals. They got a crown of leaves, usually celery leaves, that would be placed on their head to symbolize they had been victorious in their athletic competition. Now, you may say, Pastor Tim, that doesn't sound like much of a reward. Well, materially, it wasn't. 
but it carried the prestige, it carried the honor of one who had competed and had been successful. It was a very highly re revered reward for one who had been faithful. And Paul here is referring to the fact that when uh, we stand before Christ, he's going to place the Stephanos, the crown upon our heads to uh, reward us for what we've done. And then the word of God is clear, of course, that we will bow before the feet of the Savior and take our crowns. Amen? Amen. Lay them at his feet. But Paul said, I have a reward waiting for me. Was he being boastful? No, he wasn't being boastful. He was just sharing the truth that, uh, that there's a reward waiting for us if we've been faithful. The day before D-Day, Bernard Bale rendered emergency medical treatment to a pilot, saving his life. His action during the bombing raid over France enabled the pilot to safely land his plane. During the incident, the pilot vowed to recommend Bale for the high de decoration for his unyielding dedication, but before he could make that recommendation, he died. And the account of Bale's heroism was lost for decades. For over 60 years, his bravery went unrewarded. But during a ceremony granting Bale the Distinguished Service Cross, uh, at that time, Vice President Dick Cheney said, Today is a truly special day. First, because the recipient is a hero of the Second World War. Second, this moment is special because it was so very long delayed. You know, we labor so long, and listen, I'm a pastor, so I get it, but you don't have to be a pastor to understand that doing the work of the Lord can be difficult. It can be a challenge. You'd have to be living under a rock somewhere to know that uh, this, the, the values of this world are exactly antithetical to the values of God's word that there are people who hate the kingdom of God and will do everything they can to work against our propagating the gospel and our advancing the kingdom of God. And so it's difficult. The world doesn't come and pat us on the back, does it? And Paul described his work as toil and hard work. And it seems like sometimes, seems like we're laboring in vain. And does God even know what we're going through. Does God even care how faithful we've been? Let me tell you, church, he knows. He cares. He keeps track. Everything you do, even giving a cup of cold water in his name, everything you do is written down in heaven. Everything you do is taken note of by the King of kings and Lord of lords. And there comes a day when he will say to you and to me, if we've been faithful, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of your Lord. I'm waiting for that day. How about you? What a question to ask yourself. How will I be rewarded? Will I be rewarded as a faithful servant on that day? You see, it's God's opinion of us that should matter the most, more than anyone else's. And so we need to live each day of our lives, whether we're young or old. We need to live each and every day of our lives with the end in mind, with the legacy in mind. 
What are the questions we need to consider as we contemplate our legacy? First, how do you regard your life? Something given for your pleasure, something to be hoarded, or as a drink offering to be poured out for the master's use. How, secondly, will you be remembered? I want to be remembered like Paul, as a fighter, as a finisher, and as a faithful steward of that which God gave to me. How about you this morning? And thirdly, how will you be rewarded? Will you receive that crown? I trust that you will. We will if we remain faithful. Listen, I know life is hard. It's challenging. And the enemy will do all he can to rob us of our joy, to rob us of our purpose and our motivation. But I want to encourage you today, remain faithful. Live each day with the end in mind. Build that legacy one moment, one day at a time that you, along with millions of others of faithful children of God, can hear the words of the Savior, well done, well done, good and faithful servant.